Recorded live. Hello, this is, <coughs> excuse me, this is William Fink, and this is Chris getting a Europe. Today is Sunday, March 1st, 2015, and once again, I have Sven Longshanks here, and today we are going to discuss what I've subtitled, The European Right, What Are the Chances? We're going to talk about European nationalist political parties would, would be a good way to start such a discussion, and, and perhaps there will be subsequent um, presentations in the same vein in future episodes here. Hello, Sven. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Bill. Yeah, I'm uh, glad to be here once again. I'll just say at, at the beginning, um, I, I was inspired by what you said last week with Brother Ryan about uh, people putting more blogs online. So I got together a new blog that's entitled British Christian History. And on there, it's got our last three Christoginia Europe's that we did that concentrate on the history of the of the original Christ, uh, church in Britain, and there are a couple of essays there. So if people are interested in uh, early Christian history and, and British history, then if they look that blog up, they should find them all there. And they're all it's all collected in one place, the, the articles and the, and the podcast that we made on the subject. So I'll just um, put that out there at, at the beginning of the, of the podcast, I thought. Well, well, that's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. I hope that more people are in, inspired to do things like that and instead of the people that already do enough, and, and you probably already do plenty. The topic of today's program is the European right. What are the chances? And, and of course, the chances are zero because if anybody really... <coughs> understands that the global political landscape they should understand that white ethnic Europeans have no political solution period we do not have a political solution what we can't ever out advertise the Jew bastards that we allow to make our money we only have A solution that I will call theological or philosophical, and 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 we only have a solution which our God has already outlined for our race long, long ago, and and that would be a um, lengthy theological discussion to dis- to to explain that, and we won't get into it in this series. I found a website this morning called World Without Nazism. And it's from an outfit calling itself the International Human Rights Movement. This is our biggest problem, is that millions of whites subscribe to this crap. Preliminary observations tell me that this outfit is based in Moscow and is heavily staffed with Jews, mostly of the radical academic variety. Its website is stopnazism.net. On the website, they publish a free PDF book called The White Papers of Hate, which consists of over a thousand pages describing 
bias in the laws of European countries. Incidents of what they call the glorification of Nazism. Incidents of anti-Semitism or of any criticism of Israel or any other pro-Zionist policy along with a host of other things. This is really a thousand pages of hate Whitey because only Whitey can hate. All of this feeds the Jewish political paradigm that only white Europeans are capable of hatred, can systematize hatred, and must be constantly observed lest new epidemics of hatred break out at any time because in a thousand pages there's Nazis around every corner. This reflects the same anti-white attitude that the Jewish controlled Western media also continually propagates. The white papers of hate go so far as to identify the British laws of settlement back in 1701 and, and, and the laws favoring men in line for the British throne in search for white hate. Hate against non-whites, hate against um, non-Protestants, hate against women. In the Jewish fervor to create all of Europe and then the world into a Jewish-run Marxist utopia, no stone is left unturned. In this atmosphere where the anti-fascists anti are glorified and allowed to operate outside of the law while all whites are demonized, we can only look for glimmers of hope in European politics. Good fudging luck, because there aren't many. As an aside... And, and Sven, you might know about this already. The BBC yesterday reported that a Pegida UK demonstration, the first one in Newcastle, was um, conducted the other day and about 400 people, they claim, turned out for Pegida and it was met with an opposition of about 2,000 counter-protesters. This is just yesterday, February 28th. According to the BBC, Pegida UK spokeswoman, and, and this they love to highlight things like this, Pegida UK spokeswoman Marion Rogers said, We are not racist, we are not fascist, we are not far right, we're certainly not anti-Islam, we've got Muslims here with us today, end of quote. So that only makes us wonder why, if she is really speaking for Pegida, they were really even protesting in the first place. Yesterday afternoon, the Guardian trumpeted the news that far-right Pegida is eclipsed by its opponents at first UK demo demonstration. And how could they be classified as far-right if they're not racist, they're not fascist, they're not far-right, they're not anti-Islam, and they've got Muslims with them today protesting. How could they be classified as far-right? And, and that's, and any, 
and anyone who makes a survey of the European political landscape will simply, will, will I'm sorry, will quickly realize that rather um, innocuous political parties that, that are globalist and, and, and subscribe to liberalism and, and free trade and capitalism and, and the entire Jewish political paradigm are constantly labeled far right as soon as they express any form of national consciousness whatsoever. And by labeling all of these rather mainstream political parties as far right, the Jews get to skew the entire political spectrum so that in reality it only spans about 45 degrees from from Jewish Zionist to, to Marxist totalitarian. That's the whole standard of acceptable Jewish political spectrum. And, and with that, Sven, I'll turn this over to you for your comments. Oh well, yeah, it's like just the slightest bit of dissent and uh, they call it far right. But this, this uh, Pegida group that turned up there, there were the, the large anti-fascist demonstration were all bussed in and that was paid for by the unions, by the Unite Against Fascism, which is funded by the Unite Union, which is a group of the, uh, it's like a conglomerate of all the trades unions in Britain. So it was all organised by the people that are in, in cahoots with the government anyway, this counter demonstration was against them but we, we see this in all these groups they try to distance themselves and say well we're not racist and we're, and we're not fascist but they get called racist and they get called fascist anyway and a large portion of their membership is made up of people like ourselves or, or to varying degrees towards um, being uh, sort of flat out racist to just patriots and they've got various different types of, of people in, the, in their um, in their organisations. I think it's good that people like us go to those demonstrations because some of the people there will not, have been, will not even be aware of the reasons why we think the way that we do. And that they, the people that go to those demonstrations are the perfect people for us to be speaking to because they're already slightly towards our point of view anyway. As I say, a lot of them just aren't aware of the of these issues. They aren't aware of the Jewish hand in in everything. And the the guy that ran runs Pegida, uh, I mean, he's I've been looking at some of the information about him today. Uh, and there's pictures of him with a Hitler moustache, and he's he's said some um, some uh, fascist things and racist things that he tries to distance himself from and, and uh, I think he left the group but now he's, he's come back to the group and because everyone wanted him back and apparently they've got a lot of extremists with them in, in Germany but this was, this was just their first demonstration in Britain but there was no trouble there, it was a peaceful demonstration even though the media has tried to hype up the fact that there were three public order Offences, but out of all the people that were there, to only have three public order offences—that's that's nothing. And the counter demonstration was headed up by George Galloway, who is an MP for um, his his—I forget the name of his party, Respect Party. But all he all he ever does is um, 
argue for and advocate for Islam and for the Muslims and for more immigration into Britain. But he is, he is actually an MP. So the, the, the demonstration that was organised against Pegida was, you know, it was a funded, funded by the government with, with a member of parliament at it busing in people from all over the country whereas the Pegida demonstration was just people going there on, uh, out of their own pocket to uh, go there and see what went on I think they had Tim Weston speaking there who is from Liberty GB who is another group that just concentrates on the Muslims um, but I still think it is a, it's, a, it's a good thing that we have these that we actually have these groups because as I said people go there and then you, they, you can then speak to them about our point of view because if you were to just speak to uh, just any Tom, Dick or Harry about it they, they, there would be no reference points that you could that you could point to and then go towards well this, this is what the Jews are doing or, or this is what their, their game plan is you haven't got any reference points to begin with but if you're actually going to a demonstration that is anti-Islam already then you can point out that the reason why all the Muslims are here are because the Jews advocated to change the immigration laws and that it was the Jews that are behind uh, coming out with these hate speech laws so you've already got somebody that's that's sort of thinking in the same way that you are already and they're going to be far more receptive to our views than anybody else so so I do see these things as positive but Pegida are I don't know, I, I suppose you could call them soft right if you say the hard right and the, and the soft right they're definitely not national socialists and they keep arguing that they're not fascists and they're not racist but uh, as we've just seen it doesn't matter what they do if they come out with anything slightly patriotic or against what the government are saying then they will be called fascists and Nazis and racists anyway so I think it's only a matter of time before people just come out with it and, and, and say yes I am a racist so what you know, I mean what, what does being a racist mean it just means that you that you love your people and you put your own people first it's, it's like the term it's, it's as much of a nonsense term as if you were to call somebody a, a familyist for putting your family first and and this this Pegida they, they obviously they're not linking it to race they're still trying to say well we'll accept Muslims if they're moderate and and this isn't this isn't about race but it does fun, come down to race because the, the religion Islam is it's an outgrowth of of the non-white races and it reflects the non-white races soul or lack of a soul as as it were the, the actual religion itself is, is really barbaric it requires uh, savage laws to keep its people under control uh, and its women have to be dressed from head to foot in in black garb to prevent their men from raping them it also it makes no distinction of race it says um, that the people that you're at war against you can marry them um, it doesn't matter what the, what race they are interbreed with them you're all the same un, under the Umar the, the, and the caliphate the group of Muslims together, a nation doesn't mean anything. It's it's just a reflection of of, of, a, of the non-white races, I think. So so to say, well, you're against Islam. It really it means that you are against these non-white races because Islam is, you know, that's that's their outgrowth of their culture and their soul and their spirit. So you can't really say you're against one without being being against the other. That's why I don't get it when people say, well, I mean, I'm against the uh, I'm against the Pakis, but I'm not against Islam. Well, Islam is, is an outgrowth of, of these Pakis and it's an outgrowth of the, of these Arabs. It, it reflects what, what they are like themselves. So both the race and the religion shouldn't be in 
white countries and and i think that anyone that that's trying to get rid of even just you know even if they're just saying the extremist muslims should be should not be in our countries then and i think they should be supported but encouraged to to move closer to our point of view that that's sort of my view on on things bill well, well, to me, I, I looked a little into um, Pegida. We'll start there, since we we, we kind of kicked it off there. I looked a little into Pegida this morning. First, their official web page redirects you to Facebook, to a Facebook page. I think that's pretty stupid, not to have um, your own independent web page. But, but it doesn't seem like Pegida is going to hurt anybody's feelings anyway, but because I've seen or I've seen them credited for posting things such as um, we want to preserve our free thinking, our free and open lifestyle for all people living in Europe. In other words, they're really only anti-Sharia law. And, and then they say every human being, they say things like every human being, regardless of nationality or religion, is welcome. And, and, and those are positions, as you just pointed out, that this um, fear to come off as a racist, those are positions which um, sort of approve of the Jewish cultural paradigm and their positions of compromise because you don't want to make an offense according to those standards which the Jews have imposed from their own position of supremacy and and control of the media over Western society. And as soon as you begin from a position of compromise... You've lost. You've lost the war. And that's all these damn political parties compromise. For the most part, they compromise right up front by saying, oh, we're not really racist. We don't really want to offend everybody. Everybody's welcome. And and the only parties that have a snowball's chance in in Georgia is, um, that, that's a joke about the snow in Georgia. It, it, it are the parties that aren't afraid of being labeled racist. They're the only ones that could that that can engage with honesty in in the conflict from a so-called right-wing position. That's it. And and if you're a, going to fear the labels of the Jews, you've lost because you're going to compromise like Pegida. This um this founder that you mentioned, Lutz Bachmann, he quit the party back in mid-February, I guess, early February, after he posted a picture of himself, and, and he claims it was a joke, a jest, and, and he was kind of had his hair combed and a fake mustache to look like Adolf Hitler, right? So he quit, and, and he was replaced by a woman, and she couldn't take the pressure, and she quit after less than a week. And then Lutzman, he, he stepped back into the position, uh, I guess because nobody else was around. I, I don't know. And and he's back at the um, helm of this Pegida. Pegida itself is really only, um, as far as I know, it's limited to Dresden, what, where he was, what, where he had founded the movement, and and the the branches of Pegida we see 
um, in other German cities and now in Britain are really only, they're not a part of any official organization, but they're really only kind of copycat movements. That's the impression I'm getting. Yeah, it's just um, showing that the people aren't happy with the Islamization of Germany. That's how it started off, um, and they had they they called it an evening stroll, and they were just going to stroll through Dresden um, with some banners and saying, "Look, look, you know, we're not happy with the Islamization of Germany." And each time they did this stroll, they got thousands more people. Uh, I mean the the media, or the Jewish media, tries to say the maximum they had was 25,000, but a month or so back they had 35,000 people there. And um, Merkel got, and the German um, uh, government got, got really, they're really worried about this, and they funded their own um, counter-demonstration. The same as has happened in Britain, where the government and the, the unions have funded a counter-demonstration. In Germany, um, Merkel got together a, a counter-demonstration for it, like a government-sponsored counter-demonstration. So it, it, none of these counter-demonstrations have been spontaneously um, uh, thought up uh, and arranged to counter-demonstrate against Big Eater. In, in each case, it's been the government setting up a, a counter-demonstration. So it, I mean, it's almost like a, a fake counter-demonstration anyway because it's not the people that are wanting that, it's the government that are wanting that and that are funding it and, and arranging it. So that's quite a, a strange thing because I think it's the first time the, the government have ever done anything like that before, the, uh, our Western governments funding their own uh, demonstrations against the people, as it were, because the people are speaking and saying, we don't want any more Islamization, and, and instead of responding and saying, well, maybe we should think a bit more about our policies, the, um, the German government have said, well, well, the people are wrong, and we're going to demonstrate against our own people, which is just, you know, it's, it's really a bizarre sort of thing to occur, and they, they tried to smear them right from the beginning as well, they said, um, because in, in uh, Dresden itself, this Eritrean immigrant died, and straight away the German media was saying, oh, this is Pegida, this is the anti-immigrant feeling there, They've uh, <clears throat> someone's gone out and um, killed this Eritrean, and it, and it turned out it was his black roommate that killed him, which is obviously quite predictable, if you've got blacks anywhere, then uh, they seem to like butchering one another, and that's exactly what happened here, but the media was trying to blame it on Pegida being in Dresden that had caused this and it did, it, it spread out from Dresden and you've got various other cities in Germany, that none of them are quite as big as, as the movement in Dresden but still fairly sizable movements and then from there uh, um, it started in, in Britain, uh, I think is it, there may have been one in Holland there's a couple of places in Europe and they're, they're sort of trying to spread out a bit now and it's not an official political movement and there are uh, people from all various different um, patri patriot groups, nationalist groups that are attending um, these these rallies and I think it's just really to show that there is a that this, there is an anti-Islam feeling, an anti-immigration feeling uh, and people are sick of, of being, I imagine it's the same throughout Europe that we get over here in Britain, all this nonsense making out that immigrants are just coming here for a better life and um, moderate Islam and it, they're not all extremists and all this nonsense and I, I think it's people are just fed up to the back teeth of this and they're trying to show the government, look we're not happy with this so they're meeting in these 
in these big rallies because we're just being lied to so much all the time just just um this week uh the, the bbc keeps saying about these moderate muslims and how charlie hebdo murderers uh, are just a fringe group that aren't really anything to do with islam yet 30 percent of the muslims that were polled this week said that they agreed with the guys that um, murdered charlie hebdo so they say so 30 percent of these muslims that we have in our countries think it's quite fine to kill white people if they if they upset their feelings you know if a white person upsets your feelings it, it's quite okay to kill them and 30 percent of these muslims think this and everyone now knows this so we're aware of this and yet the media and the government keep telling us something different so these big rallies that Pegida have, have organised are just really are just a way of trying to uh, tell the government look we're not happy there's, there's a large group of us that are not happy about this and, and you need to change your policies and obviously we know that the government is completely dued and they're not likely to change their policies at all but a large proportion of the of the people in, in Britain and throughout Europe still do have some faith in democracy and they think that by going to these big rallies you know they're going to affect the, the policies uh, of the government I mean they may slightly affect them but I don't really see it affecting them in Germany I, I think the, the only way we might get a change in policies here in Britain is if um, is if UKIP get in I, I know people think they're really soft and they're, they're no way hardcore enough but I do think it would be a positive change if we got them into into power just to sort of uh, move the subject towards UKIP and I don't, I don't know if you want to add some more to do with Pegida before then well, well right before we move on to um, Britain real quick I'd like to talk about the the, um, the national nationalist party of of in, in Germany, the National Democratic Party of Germany, it it it's a nationalist party that's been around for for decades. But and 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 they have an official website, NPD National Party Democrat, I, I guess NPD dot de. But they've had no seats in Parliament in years. And I was going through their website this morning, and this party has the right rhetoric on morality and immigration and some other issues, but this party never gets anywhere. It's been faced constantly, especially back in the 60s and 70s, but with challenges and and members being arrested and violent acts or whatever, and... and um, from from what I understand, that this party is so well infiltrated by the government that people even perceive it to be run by the government. It seems almost like a um, a figurehead party for a right wing that that isn't engaged in the political process at all. So they're not even there, and 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 it makes me wonder if there's a real. German right wing underground, but I guess I may never know that because I can't go to Germany and beat the streets. But but this um, national party in 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 Germany it is um, pretty much useless, and and it's sort of the the rhetoric surrounding this party sort of reminds me, and and as you mentioned, the government 
um, putting up opposition, right, and making it look private, uh, of Operation COINTELPRO in the United States, which was actually um, discussed in government documents. I don't remember if it was the 1970s, 1980s, probably the 1980s, but it may have been older. Operation COINTELPRO was a... Um, a U.S. government initiative to infiltrate and, and run, if it could, but infiltrate and influence all groups that were seen as being opposed to the government or government policies in any way. Of course, that included Christian identity and the Ku Klux Klan and groups like that, but it also included um, radical Negro groups, radical Muslim groups, and, and anybody else that was um, out of that 45-degree angle on, on, on the dial of what the Jews considered to be acceptable political spectrum, right? If you're outside of that, you're a suspect. And and that's always that that's the way it's always going to be in any Jewish tyranny, which is basically what we live under. So well, I think uh, sorry, did you want to carry on there, Bill? I, I only wanted to say so it seems like and any um that well what struck me and, and this is I almost forgot to say this but I wanted to. What struck me about this National Democratic Party of Germany is that their website seems to be, I mean, I could be wrong. I may not have just found it, but I checked all the pages I could and hit Google tra- Google Translate, which I have to rely on because I definitely can't pronounce or read German, right? Well, well um, they're not taking advantage on their website of this Pegida movement at all. And you would think that they would be um, expressing support for it, voicing support for it, or, or, or something to recognize it, to kind of try to capitalize on some of the um, some of the publicity or something. That it, it's the website seems to be ignorant of it almost. I, I don't maybe I missed something, but I can't find it. You would think they'd be oh, jumping on it. I noticed today that the BNP were trying to capitalise on it and the uh, whoever it is they've got running the BNP at the moment um, he said that he would, he was supported Pegida and he wanted to see members of the BNP going to the Pegida demonstration but what you were saying there about how the NPD in Germany don't um, they don't seem to have any support and they don't have anyone in, in the government I think this is one of the reasons why these these older groups like um, Front National in France and like the BNP have changed their, their rhetoric a bit and, and they're not speaking out against the Jews and they're not being so overtly racist as they once were because they've they've tried that and it didn't didn't get them anywhere politically because if you look at Front National now in in France there it looks like um, Marine Le Pen could very well be the next French Prime Minister uh, everyone says well 
you know they don't talk about the Jews they they don't talk about race so much anymore they've toned everything right down but it has meant that they've now got a chance at, at political power so it's like it's six of one and half a dozen of the other if you do speak out against the Jew and you are overtly racist then you're not going to get a chance of the political power and you'd, you'd be like the uh, N- NPD without any political representation but if if you do tone it down and you do um, suck up to the Jews basically then you might get a chance of the political power so then the question becomes um, do these people have the integrity to then once they have the political power to actually do something and, and to be a little bit you know to be a lot more harder than, than they appear with their with the policies that they give to the people uh, and from what you see w- with all the all these um, political groups so I'm not talking about the ones on the right here but all these pol- political groups they always say something different in their policies to what they actually do when they get in power so uh, maybe I'm uh, uh, I'm thinking too highly of them but it would be nice to think that if some of the, some of these groups like Front National or like UKIP if they did actually get into power that they were a lot more extreme than uh, they put in their actual policies because this is what the the anti-fascists say they say that UKIP and Front National they're ultra racists and all their policies and all this um, we include everyone and we're not racist they say it's all a load of nonsense and if they get into power they're going to turn straight into into uh, national socialism uh, and this is sort of boiling the argument that they have down to the essentials they say that w- once these groups get into power then they're going to be kicking out all the immigrants and they're going to be really hardcore and and you know I'd, I'd really like to see that personally i really would like to see that it, it all depends on you know how much integrity you think these leaders like marine le pen and like nigel farage actually have i, mean, I hope and pray that that they that they are a lot more extreme than they say that they're going to be in their in their policies i just wanted to uh Add that because that just seemed like an, an, a perfect example for it, Bill. When you're talking about the NPD and, and they don't actually have any political clout, although they are closest to National Socialism uh, than any of these other groups, but they don't have any 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 clout. So, you know, what what is the what's the option that people should be going for? Uh, and these parties have tried um, speaking out against the Jews, like the BNP. They they were quite unashamedly they were uh, leaning towards national socialism 15 years ago but then they changed all that and and toned all that down but by that time that they hadn't um you know they, they fizzled out but then again you've got a group like ukip who have deliberately steered clear of, of of anything to do with race and and they've got a good chance of forming a coalition government and this front national in in france they toned it right down and now they're starting to get somewhere with the politics so it, it's a bit, it's a bit of a thorny, thorny subject, really, to work out just what it is that's that um, that is happening, and just how it is going to turn out when you when you think about it. Well, well, the um, uh, okay, let me start with with, with um, France, if you don't mind, and then we'll get into UKIP a little because you brought up the Front National. Just a couple of short comments. Uh, I mean. Like UKIP, that they, they and and UKIP did real big in the 2014 EU elections, but only holds a handful of seats in in the English Parliament, right? Well, well, this it's the same way with with um, Front National in in France. 
that they only have four seats in the French Parliament, and then in the last year's election for the EU, they scored 23 seats out of 74. Or 24 seats out of 74. That they, what, where the, um, UKIP scored like 23 seats out of 73. They got like a third of the vote. A, a third of the seats, I should say. And, and a, a large percentage of the vote. The Front National paralleled that in France in the EU elections at the same time. But, like UKIP, can they extend that into the next domestic parliamentary elections? That's a different story, right? And, and the time will tell, right? But but aside from that, <coughs> Front National it is that they're really moderates. They're they're liberals, meaning they believe in globalism, world trade. Any party that builds its entire platform and and has synthesized throughout its philosophy this idea of free trade and 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 which is basically globalism can't really be a, a nazi party right i mean adolf hitler hit his platform any national socialist platform it is going to look to severely strict restrict and regulate foreign trade and 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 that's part of the part of the um philosophy of nationalism right that you don't want um foreign nations sending flooding your markets with goods that you could produce yourself you only want to import goods that you need so so that that's a um but when you look at things like that in a party's policies it it's glaringly contradictory to what the Jews are saying <clears throat> about these parties because they can't make that turnaround so quickly they don't even have a clue of what real nationalism is when, when they subscribe to liberalism globalism and free trade and, and it's not part of their fabric that the um, so the front national is really a liberal moderate party and they're labeled far right by the Jews that they seem to have peaked in 1997 to 2002 under Marie Le Pen, right? That the father and now the daughter is um, following in her father's footsteps, but I think she is moderating the political agenda even more to make the party more appealing. But both Le Pen's father and daughter, both of them <coughs> ended up currying favor with the Jews. The father went and spoke to the World Jewish Council. He addressed them. He he, he tried to build relationships with Jews and and that's compromise right that goes back to that compromise how much are you willing to compromise for political popularity and and in the end you just end up like the neocon republicans in america i i don't get you know the the, the compromise thing is it it in political parties there seems to be no end of it until everybody is politically homogenize the way the Jews want them in the first place. So even if um, the the Front National in France comes to power, and, and it very well could in the next parliamentary election, even if it does come to power, I don't think a whole lot is going to change. That That's my opinion. We'll see. We'll hold off and see. But the Front National seems to have no... Um, 
racial consciousness at all, at least in their policies, they don't. But the, um, and, and, and even Le Pen, the, the father, he had, um, he had labeled, when the National Republican movement broke off from the na- Front National in, in France, back in, um, 1990s, the late 1990s, Le Pen had labeled them at that time, he labeled the splinter group as being um, racist and extremist. And, and and they broke off from him resisting his moderation. So and and they've gone by the wayside since the National Republic movement, nothing really became of them. That the only um party in France that I think really does definitely have a, a um a racial consciousness and also seem to be um well they're anti Semitic, let's put it that way. That they're aware of the um the danger of the Jewish the Jews and the Jewish problem. It is the the identity block. The identity block and, and, um, their youth group, the identity generation. I'm kind of, um, for France today, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with them. Uh, I mean, they're not going to win anything. They're not going to get us anywhere. But, but they seem to be far more racially conscious and, and principled. And, and this quotes on their website, our legacy, our only legacy is our land, our blood. Our identity, we are the heirs of our destiny, we are the generation of the ethnic divide, the total bankruptcy of living together, the imposed interbreeding, talking about um, multiculturalism and diversity, which they entirely reject, they identify themselves with the, um, the, the Spartans who defended Greece and the Persians, they identify themselves with Charles Martel. They've tried, it seems that they've tried to um, spread that ideology to other places in Europe, but as far as I know, not to Britain, but Britain has other groups that are that, that are just as aware, that we'll talk about, I hope. But, but um, the identity block has tried to spread its ideology to you know, Central Europe and, and points east, and they have had moderate success in Austria from what I see, but I don't see anything much besides that. Yeah, they're like uh, parallel groups to the political parties. I think they're joint, uh, Generation Identitaire are like that. They're like uh, an organization or a group that, that isn't, isn't a political party. Um, uh, that Marine Le Pen, I think uh, you're, you're right there with the, with the Euro elections. Uh, UKIP and uh, Front National uh, did much better than the than the, P, the party that was actually in power in the Euro elections. But the thing with Marine Le Pen is, that I think they've done they've done some um, opinion polls recently where she's been polling higher than the uh, current president. Of France, so people approve of her. Her approval ratings are much higher than um, the president there, 
at the moment. Uh, as you say, they, they aren't particularly racial, but the members of the group, the members of Front National, do appear to be quite racial. Uh, I see a lot of comments of theirs that are, are written around the internet, and they, they definitely seem switched on people. And there are other... Um, members of the party that do appear to be quite racial is, is um, very I think they've got a mayor and, and various like uh, members of, of the group as it is were you trying to say something there Bill no, no I'm sorry I lifted my mic and I get some feedback every time I do that every time I remove yeah. my head from between the speakers right <laughs> <laughs> Well, well yeah, UKIP is actually, we've been calling it UKIP for, for our listeners. It's the United Kingdom Independence Party. And, and they currently only have five seats out of 1400 in, in the two chambers of, of the, um, of, of the British Parliament, right? And 23 out of 73 in the UK, in, in the EU Parliament, which they only just gained in 2014. So they seem that the momentum is certainly with them coming into the next parliamentary elections. I don't know when that is. I don't know when, when that's scheduled. Perhaps you do. Yeah, it's for May. It's coming up. It's like uh, in uh, two months' time, less than two months' time. Well, well that's thing probably with, good with, for them. Uh, UK- the thing with UKIP is, it's not that um, they're going to beat the other parties, it's that the other parties are, are fairly much even, so the chances are it's going to be a hung parliament, and this, which is the same as happened last time, and the Tories did a deal with the Liberal Democrats so that they could be in power, but this time the Liberal Democrats are polling the lowest that they have ever been, they're not likely to well, they're going to get hardly anyone, UKIP are going to beat the Liberal Democrats so the chances are that um, it's going to be another hung parliament between Labour and the Tories and they're going to be wanting to make deals so you could end up with them one of those parties doing a deal with UKIP, which would mean that Farage would be the um, Deputy Prime Minister and it would mean that whoever it was that did the deal with him would have to um, accept some of his positions. And, and the whole reason for being for the party is, as you say, it's UK Independence Party. The whole party was formed around basically pulling out of the European Union. And pulling out of the European Union is the first step to um, making our own laws again. Uh, you have to be out of the European Union to actually start enforcing the borders and preventing... Um, people invading your country because being part of the EU you agree to allowing your country to be invaded basically so if um, UKIP do get enough votes then I think it's going to be a question of, of uh, this the new coalition are going to have to um, toe the line and do some of UKIP carry out some of UKIP's policies I mean that's that's the least that I can see happening. I mean the most I could see happening is 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 them getting an outright majority because everyone is is fed up with these um, with uh, Tories uh, and Labour. And uh, looking through some of UKIP's policies, I mean they're pretty good. I know a lot of nationalists um, say, oh well, that they say that they're they're um, not anti-immigration, but they don't actually look into it. I mean he says he's not anti-immigration, but he, what he is is for limited and controlled immigration and only for if there's a skills gap and he also says that um, British companies should be uh, forced to discriminate against anybody else and to employ British workers 
So if you if there's a skills gap, then it's it's not going to be filled by somebody from Nigeria or from Somalia. It's going to be filled from um, someone in Australia or New Zealand or part of the Commonwealth. It's going to be filled by somebody who's white. So when he says that he's not anti-immigration, I, I think you find he is anti-third world immigration and he, he is anti uh, other people in Europe taking advantage in well, Britain, which is, which is what's happening at the moment. Sorry, I've seen the up. language. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I've seen a language on his website. I was at UKIP at, at um, great length running up to this program and, and read quite a few of the pages on their website. The, the, um, first, they're regarded as right populist, but in their own literature, they claim to be libertarian, right? Which kind of makes them like the Reform Party, the Ron Paul Party of, of Britain to, to, from an American perspective, right? That they, um, they seem to be like the equivalent of the American Tea Party. That's what their rhetoric, that their literature and their positions reminded me of. They want out of the EU, but which of course is good, but they're still liberal free traders. That they're still like free traders in the Ronald Reagan sense, right? But they seem to be, um, they seem to me to be the globalists' answer to real British nationalists. And, and um, the, their immigration perspective, like you said, they don't want to, st- to st- stem, that they don't want to stop immigration. They only want to stem it, and they want immigrants with quote-unquote skills. Well, well that's the, um, the, the, American position on immigration and, and the American conservative or Republican position on immigration has been that same position. And that, too, has been used against skilled white workers. There is a, um, a special visa that allows skilled workers into the country here. And... Um, there's a utility com- I'm going to mention one case. There's a utility company in California right now, as we speak, which has fired 500 tech workers and replaced them all with skilled IT workers from India. And they've just done it. And, and, and this is that the American position has been, um, that it's okay to allow hundreds of thousands of skilled workers legally into the country on visas every year. And, and that's been abused and, and, and the, the original intentions have been twisted by huge companies like Microsoft and Hewlett Packard in order to um, tilt the playing field against white American tech workers. And I've seen it, and and, and because I, I um, I've always had an interest in computers, I, I've and and used to have a career in the tech field myself. I, I've seen this in in a, um, play out over twenty years, and and it's still used against whites here. So so it, it's it's a. Um, it, it's it's a dangerous position because even if it has good intentions, it, it's not going. When when Farage is gone, even if he put it in place as a policy, it's still going to hurt 
native white Bretons. Because the, yeah, the yeah, globalist yeah. corporations right, are going was, to was Ron, twist it. Ron Paul, um, sorry, Bill. Well, well, the globalist corporations are going to twist that and use it against whites anyway. That's all I'm saying. It, it's not a. Um, it's a dangerous position. That the position should be to, um, to to allow only whites in, or to train people at home in the skills that are required by businesses. That should be the the nationalist position. That the. the um, the BNP seems to be marginalized by parties like UKIP, which offer this third position that still makes that the that that still keeps Britain safe for the Jews and the globalists. In in spite of um, N- Nigel Farage, he's more more or less a moderate. He he doesn't. There's no hateful rhetoric coming from this guy, but he is still. He's rather moderate from our perspective, but he's still a target of the Jews. UKIP is considered a race-baiting party by Haaretz, the, the Jewish media outlet. And, and Haaretz was urging British Jews to resist UKIP. And, and this is a common tactic in which Jews continually humiliate and push right-leaning parties to the center or to the left, right? That's all I have to say about you, kid, for the most part. I got one more comment, but but um, it can wait a few. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right there comparing him to Ron Paul and the Tea Party. And and obviously the nationalist position has got to be self-sufficiency and looking after your people and putting them putting them first and doing the best you can as a nation productivity-wise because you're going to be then producing the best quality, best quality products. Uh, and they did... Um, I think with UKIP, they have got a few things in place to try to prevent that sort of thing happening that you just said with the skilled IT workers. They've said um, if anybody that does come over to to Britain, they can't live here unless they've been here for um, 10 years and they have to pay for their own children's schooling, they have to pay for their own medicine and they have to pay for for the roof over their heads and they're not allowed to claim any benefits. So if a company was to bring somebody over from another country, that company would then have to pay the extra for their school, for their children to go to school, for their, uh, um, for the, all their medical costs. And also they, they want to put it in place so that um, companies have to discriminate against anybody else and employ the British workers first. British workers have to be employed first before anybody else. And if there is a skills gap, then... You can go abroad. So <clears throat> I think they they probably are. Uh, they look slightly better to me than um, than the Tea Party, and and definitely better than the example that you just gave. And it, again, on what just on what you you finished on there, that that goes back to saying that, that the Jews constantly vilify these people and make them out to be racists and and fascists. And they keep saying that if if UKIP do get into power, then they're going to go all ultra fascist on everybody, which I, you know, I would really like to see that, but I somehow I doubt it. But I do prefer Nigel Farage to all the other politicians that we've got. And I don't think it's that he's 
that he's um, marginalised the BNP. I mean, the, the BNP as a brand are, are completely toxic in Britain. They really are yeah, toxic. Nobody would nobody would um, go and vote for them just because they were the BNP. It really wouldn't matter what their policies were. But everybody is just so anti the, the, the BNP for, for whatever reasons they have. Um, whether it's uh, they didn't like Griffin's mannerisms, or whether it was the the media, and you've got even you've got a lot of nationalists themselves that are very anti the BNP. Um, so that it's not so much UKIP have marginalised them; it's just that they're a, a really sort of quite toxic brand. So the, the way I see it, you've got UKIP who hopefully are going to make things better. They also want to um, put a stop to political correctness. Whether that means they would overturn the hate speech laws or, or not, I don't know. But they they got that as part of their policy as stopping all the political correctness. Um, the the thing is, we've only got a limited amount of time before. I mean, at the moment, the country is I think it's fifteen percent foreign. <clears throat> but if you give it 10 years, that's going to be 20% foreign, 25% foreign. So the amount of time it would take to form another political party that was ideologically pure, by the time you form that party, then a third of the country is going to be foreign. And you're not going to have a chance of um, getting them into power, even if all the white people did did vote for them, if, if you know what I mean, the ones that are going to go out there to vote. So I think we're really sort of stuck with it's UKIP or, or nothing really in Britain. So that's why I sort of urge people to go and vote for them, even if even if they don't carry out any of um, their policies and they don't make good on them, then you haven't lost anything at all really. Because if they didn't get in, then you would have Labour or the Tories in there, and there isn't another viable contender to be thinking of. I mean, the, the BNP, they did terribly last time. They, they lost, even lost their seats at, um, in, at, in the Euro Parliament, and the, let alone getting somebody into the, uh, the main government, into the Houses of, uh, House of Commons, whereas UKIP have already got uh, two people in there just by them defecting to join UKIP and then holding a vote in their constituency. Uh, to get to get themselves voted back in again, and uh, and each time the constituents overwhelmingly voted f- for the same politician, even though they had changed from being in the Tory party to being in in UKIP. So it's um, I'm I going think we're to. stuck with it. So it's just hope for the best <laughs> and pray for the best, really, right. and and help them out and hope that that they do stick to their policies. L- let's so agree. L- let's agree that UKIP. It is the best shot that that um, Britons have right now at displacing the, the the two mainstream parties that have been sharing power or or really competing with one another for power for a hundred years, right? And 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 the Tories yeah. and the Labour Party, right? For a hundred years, one of those parties have been in, in power, and nobody else. And UKIP's the first one to come along to really successfully challenge that right well well um here's here's where we're headed with 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 ukip i think and and um this is exemplary of their 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 attitudes and where um nigel farage is really coming from and and if this is the best we have and it is i agree in britain right now by far that this is the best shot at, at people that care about britain maybe maybe getting into power right 
This is from page 142 of that 1,026-page book that that I had um, introduced earlier on this program called The White Papers of Hate from this Antifa group, this academic Antifa group in Russia, right? Candidate for the Crowborough City Council in East Sussex from the UK Independence Party, Anna Marie Crampton allowed herself to post anti-Semitic content on Facebook. She called the Jews the architects of the World War II and the Holocaust, supporting her accusation by the claim that these historical events resulted in the state of Israel being created. She also directed her followers to a known anti-Semitic fabrication called the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. The party responded by expelling Anna Marie from its ranks. Now, now I checked that story out, and and it's um, it's reported in in the white papers of hate, not entirely accurately, but somewhat accurately. And and um, I found an article on the International Business Times that that was um, April twenty sixth, twenty thirteen, and it says that a UKIP candidate for East Sussex was suspended for posting anti-Semitic comments online. But she told the party that she was hacked and did not write the offending comments. So she's denying it right away, right? Plausible denial. And, and um, Nigel Farage, he, he responded in an interview that the party, making excuses, that the party lacked sufficient resources to check all 1,735 candidates who will be standing in the May 2nd elections and admitted there were some we'd rather not have had. So he just threw this woman under the bus right from the get-go and, and, and in, in order to conform. And, and that's the cost of political um, political success. The cost is compromise and conformity to the the, the um, standards that the Jewish media has set for our society, basically. Yeah, definitely, definitely, I agree there. I, the, the question is, is whether they will still continue to conform once, once they've got the power, or, or whether, um, or whether, or whether they won't, whether they'll actually grow a backbone. If you look at, as I was saying before, if you look at the, the other parties, all these political parties, they all lie in their manifestos and lie to the public in order to get into power. And then they do something completely different. So, you know, I hope and pray that the, all this compromising to, to what the Jews are saying has to be done for them to get into power. I hope that's just it. They're, they're going to change once they get in there and be a lot more <laughs> hardcore than they are now. I will continue <laughs> yeah. to be the skeptic, right? <laughs> Maybe I've got rose-tinted spectacles on. I, I don't know. But one of the things that um, does impress me, I am... Uh, Nigel Farage, a few years back, he had a serious accident. He was he had a um, airplane accident and he almost died. Um, he was you know, really lucky to be alive, and he sort of 
uh, recovered and after he's recovered he's sort of thrown himself into this uh, like just 100% really thrown himself into this which sort of says to me that he has got some integrity because if you come back you know have, have a close brush with death and then you um, sort of make your whole life about something it means that you really believe in it that you seriously believe in it so I do think he's got integrity because of that, I mean, he's obviously he's recovered, and then he's he's gone and and done something that he most believes in. Because he's realised, you know, life is short; it could be ended at any moment. What is the most important thing that I should be doing? And he's he's gone on to be leading UKIP. So I think he really does believe in what he's doing. I think he he just seems to me to have integrity. Uh, I'm not sure if people were aware of that this fact about this accident that he had, or or whether they thought of it in that way. But um, that is something that you know says to me that he's um, he's honourable, you know, and he's he's not lying, and he, he's doing this because he believes in it. And what you were saying about. Uh, this this woman that's been uh, accused of anti-Semitism. They keep finding these these people, these various supporters or candidates, and um, they're, they're always saying anti-Semitic things or racist things on Facebook, and they're always getting pulled up on it. It's, it seems to be a regular uh, pastime of the press to dig up uh, dirt on on members of UKIP, basically. And well, well, yeah, right, right, but I don't felt better at under the, the bus, but. You know, sorry, go on, Bill. <laughs> I'd have felt better about it, Farage if he hadn't thrown her under the bus. Definitely, definitely. It would be good to see some uh, integrity and see him supporting his members. I thought that um, there was a, uh, a, an older lad, who, uh, old boy, and he was quite he was quite funny. He talked about Bongo Bongo Land in Africa, and uh, he said some. I think he called. I forget what it was. He said something disparaging about women, and, and they they all started attacking him straight away. And, and he pointed out that they were being anti-white in what they were doing. And I thought, well, I hope um, Farage backs him. But but Farage didn't. Um, but it do, whatever it is that Farage is doing, it does seem to be having some success because he is, you know, the most popular one in the opinion polls and it does look like they're going to get somewhere. So even though he's throwing people under the bus, and I agree with you, I, you know, I don't like to see that. I'd much rather see him supporting you know, his people that have supported him. But whatever he is doing, it, it is proving to be successful for them. We it, shall it, see. It, we'll it, keep it, an eye on Whatever them. it is, it's, it's working. I'm sorry, sorry the, the elections are two months away. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, May the, May the 7th, I think it is, yeah. Okay, we'll keep an eye on you, Kip. And, and see what happens when they come to power. I, I want to talk about some of these other groups be, because there's a, sometimes I get a lot of buzz about the, these groups in, in, in CI circles. And, and first is the, um, English Defense League. And, and let me say how Wikipedia describes them. Wikipedia describes them as a far-right street protest movement which focuses on opposition to what it considers to be a spread of Islamism and Sharia in the United Kingdom. They are not a party but advertise themselves as being anti-racist protectors of human rights. They align themselves with 
BNP offshoot British Freedom Party in 2011, a party which folded in 2012. Members of that party later founded Liberty GB, or Liberty Great Britain, right? Which I hope we discuss soon. Nick Griffin, um, I saw parts of the video this morning. He did a pretty good job, I thought, exposing the English Defense League. And, and this is a... a um, a feature of European and English politics that I think that most of the most um, white nationalists, including identity Christians, right? I, I mean, to me, real white nationalists can only be identity Christians, but there are a lot of um, people that fashion themselves as secular white nationalists, right? So we'll include them too. They're ignorant. They seem to be ignorant of this. And, and that's that, that there are, um, a lot of anti-jihadists. And, and Pegida may also well fall into this category. Anti-jihadist parties and and persuasions and movements that spring up in in especially in Europe and it's really Jews lurking in the background or doing the funding or or or, or doing the organize the organizing it's Jews or or Jewish tools who are organizing these groups in order to make it look like they are nationalist groups when really these groups are only anti-jihadist and are really sort of like a front and, and serve as a rabbit hole for whites with nationalist sympathies to, to trap them in, in this group and this paradigm that is really designed to create a sort of civic nationalism, a false nationalism that in essence keeps nationalist movements safe for Jews. And I think that's where the English Defense League falls in. And I've watched parts of Nick, Nick Griffin's documentary and I think he's right. The EBL is basically just a Jewish front group. The um, it, it's Pamela Geller, who, who is a um, a neocon tool in America, and and Jihad watches Robert Spencer had been invited to appear and speak at an English Defence League event that was prevented by the British government. They prevented them from coming to Britain to speak at this event for the English Defense League, which that alone proves to me that Nick Griffin is right. And the EDL is funded by Jews from America trying to incite race riots on the streets of England. I definitely have a lot of links with with the Jews. So you think of the name, the English Defence League, uh, the Jewish Defence League goes back to the League of Nations. It seems anything with league in it um, has a Jewish hand behind it. Uh, the English Defence League, they've got a, a uh, lesbian, gay, and bisexual division. They've got a Sikh division. 
there's all these pictures online of we stand in solidarity with Israel um, and the, the the spokesman for them this um, Tommy Robinson he's now joined up with this uh, group Tell Mama which reports uh, homopho- um, uh, Islamophobia incidents uh, and there's I forget the name of him but there's this really obnoxious spokesman for the Muslim community and there's pictures of Tommy Robinson hugging him and um, they're saying about how they're, they're both against Islamic extremism and not against moderate Muslims and, and a, a lot of the people in the EDF were really let down by him when he did this and uh, when he started making these alliances with this obnoxious Muslim guy and with this tell mama group and um, there's another group as well which uh, are supposed to be working on de-radicalizing Muslims that, that he's working with and he stepped down from from um, being the leader of the EDL so I think all the people that had joined the EDL and that really believed in it were really let down by him but uh, at the same time you have got a large group of disenfranchised white people there that um, really they need speaking to about the Jewish problem so uh, you know, I, I would still say if there was if there was an EDL demonstration that was going on near where I, near where I was living, then I would um, probably go along to it and speak to the people there and just see just how aware they they were of uh, of the Jewish problem. And I, I, th- I think they do get a lot of Jewish funding. And this um, Pam Geller that uh, you were talking about, she is associated with them. So the the people involved in it are probably very deceived about about the Jewish involvement in all this because how can you say you're against um, uh, Islam and against the Islamic invasion of Britain and not be against the people that facilitated it because it was all facilitated by the Jews to allow these creatures into our countries in the first place and they're also very anti-national socialist as well and, and groups which real nationalist groups like the National Front um, the EDL will will call them Nazis and and start chanting uh, Antifa slogans at them. That's what happened at Rotherham. The National Front turned up to help with British First, uh, Britain First, and the EDL with this protesting outside the council offices. And instead of being really thankful for another nationalist group turning up, and, and instead of uh, showing unity between the different groups. They attacked the National Front and started calling them Nazis, and there was a bit of a physical, physical confrontation between them, which certainly doesn't look good to, in the eyes of the of the public. But um, yeah, I th- so I think there are probably good members among them, but but the leadership definitely, uh, Tommy Robinson is um, is compromised, uh, and he also got a lot of publicity as well. They w- they would put him on question, well not on question time, but on on Newsnight and. Uh, talked to him as being representative of of, of nationalists, and uh, again he he was um, kept saying that he he wasn't he wasn't a racist. So I think it's just embarrassing, really. The EDL, I, I would say they're the probably the, uh, the the furthest away from what we are out of the nationalist groups, really, because they they suck up to Israel. They really do suck up to Israel a lot, possibly more so than UKIP. You don't see UKIP. Uh, saying, well, we stand in solidarity with, with Israel, uh, whereas you do see the EDL doing that. Uh, UKIP have got a, 
Friends of Israel division, but every one of the political parties has, has got that. I'm not sure if the BNP have, but every one of the political parties have got somewhere, have got a Friends of Israel division. But if you look at the UKIP's Friends of Israel site or blog thing, it was just, it's run by one of their members, and uh, it, it doesn't really see, seem to be that much activity on there. And it doesn't really seem to get mentioned very much. I think it's more a thing of, well, we have to be friends with Israel because all the other parties are. Because Farage has spoken out against all the wars that we've done for Israel. He spoke out against um, uh, going into Libya. He spoke out against Syria. He spoke out against Iraq. All of the Middle East wars he's spoken out against. He's spoken out against U Ukraine as well about the trouble that's going on in Ukraine. So he hasn't said, well, I'm against the Jews causing all these wars, but he has said, I'm against all these wars. What Whereas EDL, or EDL stand up for Israel and say, yeah, we support Israel, and, uh, you know, you've got to get these Palestinian terrorists. Sorry, go on, Bill. Being against those wars is enough to invite the wrath of media outfits like Haaretz. But there's no doubt. That that leads. Um, I'd like to lead that into a discussion of um, Liberty Great Britain because the English Defence League has, in the past, been um, associated with elements close to Liberty Great Great Britain. I don't know if they're associated with Liberty Great Britain now. I don't know, but but they they were um, associated with its founders before they became Liberty Great Britain. That the um, the leader of Liberty Great Britain is Paul Weston. And, and he can be impressive at first. I, I was impressed by him when I first saw his videos and didn't know anything about him. Once you learn about him, then it's a different story. He, he, he Paul Weston says all the things that real British nationalists would want to hear. And, and um, he says the right things about race, the right things about morality, the, the right things about English culture, except that he always stops short on the Jewish issue, always. And, and he seems to admit no criticism of Jews. He refuses Holocaust deniers. He refuses to, to even talk to them. And, and he uses terms such as communist and fascist as euphemisms for certain Jews and anti-Jews, right? He frequently uses the term Nazi, and he uses it, he uses that term within the, the acceptable Jewish political paradigm. Weston's defended Zionism and Jews. His position on Jews has led many to suspect that he also is an anti-jihadist Jew who, who's creating a rabbit hole for real British nationalists. He, a, a trap. These people create parties, well, like the Tea Party is one giant trap in America for people that, that are disaffected, but they're never going to get anything accomplished. So they're stuck in the political paradigm because they continually think, or they're led to think, that there is a political solution, and there isn't. And, and that's how I see these, that these parties, these 
parties that are that are um, not directly opposed to the Jews, but claim to be nationalist and pro-British, that they or, or or the same in any white nation, and and they're really just traps and rabbit holes that keep disaffected people from thinking that they could get something done through this party, and they can't. They never will. It, it's a rabbit hole, and and Paul Weston. I see as a giant rabbit hole, and Nick, Nick Griffin supposedly exposed him too as a Zionist front. I've yet to watch Are the we? video. Now I think um, Liberty GB. I think he was something to do with UKIP as well before he formed Liberty GB. But you had some some interaction with him over at Daily Stormer. Um, I think Andre put a video up of his and. Uh, part of his PR team said, we take that down, we don't want that on your sites, you know, on sites like that. And then um, we put another video of his up, and then he commented on there, and I think people questioned, and Andre asked him about this, or, or people questioned him about it, and you definitely got the impression that he was aware of the Jewish hand in things, but he did not see it as politically expedient to talk about it or to promote it. And he seemed to be trying to do what was going to get him, uh, get him votes, get him popular and, and get him accepted by the people to get across the message that he wanted to get across. He definitely got the impression that he was aware of, of the Jewish hand, but he wasn't, you know, being public about it and wasn't speaking about it. So it, it, he's a straight. He is a strange one because we started off thinking, well, he doesn't want anything to do with us. You know, he's obviously, you know, a shield type. And then after having interaction with him, it, it seemed to be that he was just trying to say things to be popular, but he was aware, well aware of the Jewish question. So it's, yeah, it's a strange one, that. Well, well I guess, because I have, I have much the, um, op- opposite. I mean, you, you can be right, because I don't have any empirical evidence, but it, it seems to me that, um, He's a trap. That's the impression I get. And most of that's due to his affiliation with the English Defense League, which is certainly a trap. It's certainly just a, a, a Zionist tool. Now, what you really need is the, is the, uh, the numbers and the people from the EDL to, to get involved with groups like National Action or, or National Front. Now, if they want to be involved in street action and protest, then a group like National Action would be the ones that they should be getting involved with because they are quite outright na- uh, national socialist uh, and they're well aware of the, of the Jewish question. Um, and, and, you know, they need more members and they are, they're about, you know, people improving themselves. They have the ideology there that you, you've got to keep improving yourself. Uh, and even if you do get, get rid of all the Jews and, um, the, the immigrants and you have an ethnically pure country, it doesn't stop there. You've, you've still got to work constantly on self-improvement. Uh, they've got the, the National Socialist doctrine it runs right the way through them as a group. But they're not a political party and they're only a fairly new group, even though they have made quite a splash. They've been in the headlines as, um, this, you know, this, this new Nazi group taking over the universities. Um, I mean, basically, they're just about publicising things and, and making people aware that, uh, you know, that National Socialism wasn't actually that bad and that, the, the, you know, there's a, there's a big Jewish problem that we have in this country, that most of the problems that we have can be traced back to them. 
and the banks and the fact that it's usury that's caused the problems with the banks it's not just a question of mismanagement it's it's usury itself that's at fault you know the adding of interest to loans so they are you know they doctrinally they're they're pretty pure they're 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 a good group um so i'd like to see these members of the edl joining joining a group like that to be honest and there are other groups as well um uh, that uh, that are like that. I was off the British Movement. That's another uh, national socialist group. And, and but the closest you've got to that politically is is the National Front. And and the, this group, the EDL, they they are against the National Front. Uh, I don't know how they react to national action, but it just seems a shame there because you've got all this potential. You've got all these. Um, Young, angry white men, and, and they, and they, you know, they're obviously, they know something's wrong, they can, they, they've had their jobs taken over, they can see all the political correctness, but the groups that they've ended up joining are, um, uh, English Defence League, because they're, they're the ones that they've heard about in the media. That's so, why it's um, a rabbit hole. That's why it's a rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah, it is. Be- because once you get, well, once you get, it, it's, I've, I've met a lot of people that are Alex Jonesy type people, right? That they get to Alex Jones and, and they're getting enough truth, but it's mixed with a lot of deception as well. But they're getting enough truth that, that they think that they've arrived. They think that they've found it. And, and, and they think that they can understand the solutions now. And, and so they get to Alex Jones. And they start listening to that clown, and they stop looking. They don't look any further. They think they've arrived. They're there. And, and they could stay there for years or forever. I know people that I couldn't even talk to to, to pull them out of Alex Jones because they thought I was some kind of lunatic. Well, well um, maybe I am. But the... It's the same thing. That's why the Jews love to set up all, all these alternative parties uh, and alternative paradigms because they know and that they've trapped people. But when you get into the English Defense League, and, and, and I could imagine getting out on a few of their little marches and building up camaraderie and thinking that you're getting something accomplished, you're not going to look any further because you think you're there. You're at the solution. And it's not a solution at all. It's a dead end. Yeah, the, the, it's def- um, definitely a large element of that to the EDL. And you've got the, you've got the other group, um, Britain First, because the EDL seem to have a reputation for, for um, sort of walking down the road with beer in one hand and a spliff in the other, and, and they really haven't got, they've got a bit of a, a loutish reputation yeah. for being drunkards. They're really you've just got Britain First, who uh, are a lot more clean cut, and, and, and they put across a... a uh, uh, much more well mannered and and polite and more approachable uh, attitudes that they have, and they seem to be very effective. And they go into the council offices, and they go into all the these mosques that are being put up, and they make very effective videos. They've got lots of people liking them on Facebook. Um, but then the other day, they went to Golders Green, which is the, um, the 
Jewish infestation in London, basically, and they went there to show solidarity with the Jews after the, the Charlie Hebdo shootings, which was just absolutely, you know, it was dreadful. They don't need to be shown support, with, you know, with, the, with these creatures. And I think they let down a lot of their, their supporters by doing that. But, I mean, it, it did really sort of make it clear to people that, that, that either this group is misinformed or they're misled. I, maybe it was just a mistake that they did that because I've, I've seen them before and I've never heard them mention uh, support for Israel, like EDL talk about support for Israel all the time. But I've never heard them mention the Jews and I thought, well, they don't mention the Jews. Um, maybe that's because they want to get support. But at least they're not, you know, outright supporting the Jews. And then they went and made this video where they gave outright support to the Jews. So... You know, that looks like it's a, well, I hope it isn't a, another organisation that's been funded like the EDL by the Jews, but maybe they're just a bit misled. Uh, they're just not as aware as they like to think they are. Because it is exactly as you say, Bill, um, the people that join these groups think that's it, they've arrived, they, they've learned it all, There's, you know, they've, you know, found out the big secret. And they're now involved in, in fighting against, you know, fighting for what's right and what's good. And, and, and they're not. They're going around in circles and, and they, they've been misled and they've been deceived into fighting against the enemies of Israel instead of the enemies of the white race. That, that's, um, I didn't know that, that the, that was Britain first that gave, uh, made a video yeah. supporting the Jews. I didn't know about that. I, I did, um, I did visit their website and read their policies in, in preparation for this program that they want to deport all illegal immigrants, all foreign criminals, all um, asylum, asylum seekers who did not originate from countries bordering Europe. Those things sound um, radical, but they're really kind of... Kind of um, moderately conservative I think uh, I would deport all immigrants period oh we reverse this policy you're out of here and, and that's it just go yeah yeah the, the, um, the, that's it all immigrants that came after 1066 no I'm kidding the, um, <laughs> the, 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 that they want to abolish the, the human rights act that they want to um well, well, they're kind of, they want to implement an American-style Bill of Rights guaranteeing freedom of speech, assembly, and expression. The, 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 their heart is in the right place with that statement. I don't know if their brain's in the right place, but that's okay. That they want to um, do a lot of good things, but to to support the Jews, well, all that goes out the window. And, and yeah, right, maybe that's just a... a um, a bump in the road for them, or maybe it reflects some darker forces behind the scenes. Who knows? What we won't know, we may never know, because they may never get an MP elected, right? What we'll see. The, the national action, I had um, wanted to look into them further, that they made a couple of videos that really impressed me, um early last year and and I've neglected the Saxon Messenger site for a while because of my schedule and and moving and all that but I hope to be able to um redesign it soon and modernize it actually and update it that this national action I posted a video on the front page of the Saxon Messenger that they had made it's really just an audio with a picture 
so it's not really a video, but it, it's a good message, and I was impressed with it. And that was last April. That was April 12, 2014. So it's almost a year old now. But but um, that that was probably the one of the better political messages that I heard from Britain, um, published openly on YouTube in a long time. So that that impressed me, and I posted a link to their website back last April as well. So it, it's um that they're young and they're avowedly Nazi. They're unapologetically national socialist. The statements on their website seem to make it the only party that I'm aware of in Britain that that has a good understanding of, of the enemy and from their statements they also have a good understanding of the consequences in British society of what they're doing as a British society is today right yeah they were very uh, dedicated as well one of them was um, imprisoned for calling uh, a Jew a Jew basically he called uh, the MP Luciana Berger a communist Jewess and she was boasting that uh, Labour never did anything wrong with immigration and he said, oh, I think it was uh, trust a Jew to show their true colours eventually. And he called her a communist Jewess and did a picture with a, with a Juden star on her and with a hashtag Hitler is right. And uh, she had him locked up for this. And um, the, the police sort of burst around there, kicked the door down, took his computers and everything. And, and they... Uh, Locked him up for a month, and she was, you know, really proud of this and boasting about this in all the media. And uh, she then got, uh, she then got some serious abuse on Twitter after that, and was made to look a right fool because she was just saying, you know, you can't lock everybody up that criticises a politician. And why is this this Jew getting special treatment anyway? Why why is it that she can have people locked up for criticising her? What is it that's so special about her? So, you know, it backfired on her in a, in a big way and it got a lot of publicity. It was very, you know, it was very sad for the young lad that's, um, locked up for a month, but, you know, he, he's come out and he's, and he's still, um, calling a Jew a Jew on, on Twitter and he's, he's totally dedicated and they've got, um, they've got a band that's, that's making music. They've got members that don't drink and don't smoke and are, uh, really straight edge. I mean, the only thing they're really missing is, is the theological, aspect to it I mean they are a secular group but they're, they're probably the best one out of the lot and the most positive one out of the lot and, and they have got the you know they've got the problems identified and trying to do something about it you know I really do approve of national action and they're, yeah, they're good people I've met some of them spoken to them and they're yeah, definitely good people so they're so, the best best group out of the lot <coughs> so so they, they are the best group out of the lot because they are as far as I'm, I've seen, the, the only group that are openly aware of the Jewish problem and, and aware of the problems facing Britain today, the only one. So, so that's the the, the um, I knew coming into this program that, that that nationalist parties in Europe really don't stand a chance. That we can't measure the. Um, political success of these groups because they're not going to come to power without making compromises that that um, make them not much different at all from the mainstream power, 
parties. So what we have to measure, I think, is the um, the level of racial consciousness and combined with cultural awareness that that um, one day what will what will have a domino effect throughout our race. That that's what I believe the paradigm that we're looking for will eventually how it will eventually play out. I think people are becoming more and more racially aware. They can't help but become racially aware when they're surrounded by people of a different colour speaking a different language. They they can't help but feel closer to the people of their own race and and start wondering, hang on a minute, how did all these people come in here? What are all these people doing here? Why, why has this happened? You know, we've got to try and put a stop to this. Who is putting a stop to this? Who is it that I I should be supporting? Let's get involved. You know, I think the, the the worse that it gets, the better it gets for us in a way. The more um, people see what's what's happening, and the worse it gets, and the more they realise that their speech is being silenced and they're not allowed to criticise people. The more pe- angry people are going to get. And just to go back to a point that you brought up there about um, the Bill of Rights, this is one of the things that gets me, that you get a lot of these parties saying we want a new Bill of Rights, and you've got UKIP have said we want a new Bill of Rights, and uh, I think Liberty GB have said a new Bill of Rights. I don't think we need a new Bill of Rights, we just need to go back to following the old one. We just need to go back to following the old Magna Carta and, and the old Bill of Rights, because there's nothing wrong with them. The problems that we've got today is that they don't obey them anymore. They, they, dis- you know, they, they've broken it, every part of it, and they've rewritten the laws into statutes, and they've rewritten everything. So we don't need a new one. We just need to go back to the old one, really. I think we just need to go back to, to common law, you know, and uh, where uh, it, it was, it was your blood that meant that you were. Uh, British, nothing to do with um, setting foot in the country and then being given a piece of paper to say you're British. It was to do with your heritage. It was all to do with heritage. What, when the and, people, uh, the, the, uh, I'm sorry, Sven. Sorry, go on. What, when the people are apathetic, what, when the general mass of people are apathetic, and, and when the gatekeepers are are paid off by the Jews, it doesn't matter what the documents say. The American Constitution, right in the preamble, says, for us and our posterity. Right in the preamble. Now, that means that all of the things outlined in that document are only for the racial descendants of the signers. What happened? People forgot that within 70 years, 80 years. It was out the window. It was done. In the 1860s, they forgot it. And the 14th so-called amendment was passed that, that, um, that made all these people of other posterities quote-unquote citizens and, and made them just as equal as the posterity of the people that made the document. So, so it doesn't matter what the language in the document says. The, 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 the perverts are always going to corrupt it, and, and the people in, in a state of sin, the people are always going to be apathetic and, and, and let it happen. It, it's over and over again in history. We don't get it. So it, it's that they could come up with a list of 10,000 rights and have everybody agree to it. And, and in, in 
five years, ten years, fifteen years, that the powers that be, that, that the economic interests behind the scenes will seek to corrupt and abrogate those so-called rights, right? The only rights men can maintain are the rights given by God, and men can only maintain those rights when he maintains a moral society. Yeah, when he maintains his, his faith in God, you right. know, that's, that's a large part of it. You take uh, take God out of everything, then you know, you, 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 people are no longer doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. They're doing the right. They have to be only doing the right thing out of fear of being punished. Then you've got to have CCTV everywhere. You've got to have an oppressive police force. Um, people take oaths, so it doesn't mean anything anymore. How can you even have people in government if if it's not a government under God? You know, if if they're not, um, you know, if they haven't sworn an oath to God, if they don't believe they're going to be punished if they break their oath, if they and, and they go against the people and, and they break the law, if they don't believe they're going to be punished by God for it, then they're going to go and do it anyway. I think it was it was one of the worst things we could possibly do was taking God out of society because when people believed in God, then they believed in, that they would be punished if they did if they did the wrong thing. Um, and you just don't have that anymore. So you, you, we have Jews in power, and uh, governments are corrupt, and they got no fear of uh, of what they do. Whereas if they were God-fearing men, we wouldn't have the Jews in power in the first place. I don't think. Well, we'll leave it on that note. We have no solution outside of Yahshua Christ. Uh, I mean, I, most identity Christians understand that and I don't know how long it'll be before the um, the rest of our race becomes convinced of that but because there's definitely no political solution uh, nevertheless we'll probably continue this discussion in other areas of, of um, Europe somewhere in the future yeah definitely definitely I think it's been a been a good discussion Bill <clears throat> well, thank you, Sven. Thank you for being here, and praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Good night. Call recording has been completed.